Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. This is a podcast for Fort Worthians who love our city and want stories from our community's creators. Do you love Fort Worth? You want to know what's happening in your own backyard? Then this podcast was made for you. You can find Fort Worth Roots podcast on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, all the different podcast players. You can find us there. Social media, it's simply Fort Worth Roots, and that's uh, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all the stuff. Big shout out to our friends at Squad STX Boys Camping. This is an all boys program, ages 10 to 16, 100% outdoor. And here's their mission statement Squad STX is an overnight primitive camping, hiking, orienteering, and laser tag course for boys designed by U.S. Army infantry officers as an alternative to Boy Scouts and traditional summer camp. We develop strong leadership skills through squad competitions, time tested military training methodology, and situational training exercises. Get your boys outside. SquadSTX.com. Go check that out. Coming up real quick, if you've been listening to the show, you already know about this. Saturday, April 30th, River Oaks Spring Fest Car Show uh, is going to be happening. This is free admission. You don't have to pay anything to come participate in this. Uh, lots of classic cars. There's going to be a pop-up market, live music, zip line, climbing wall, uh, giant swing. There's a lot. And uh, just recently, we found out the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile is going to be there. Fort Worth Roots Podcast will be there as well. And uh, basically, we'll just be setting up saying hi to people, taking pictures in front of the banner, and uh, just just getting out in the public. So it's going to be a cool deal. Uh, It's from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and you are going to need this address to get there, 6200 Sand Springs, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, 76114. That's at YMCA Camp Carter. It's going to be a really cool deal, and look forward to seeing you there. So come on out, stop by. You don't have to stay all day, but just, uh, just come check it out and take a picture with us. Say hi. Today's recording took place at the Cowtown Coliseum in the historic Fort Worth Stockyards. We were doing our recording in the Cowtown Coliseum office. Uh, it's, it's part of the Coliseum. It's kind of off to the side, but facing the street. And you could hear all the madness going on in the streets. Uh, usually, when I go down to the stockyards, there's about a quarter as many people. And, you know, that's on a busy day. But this was insane. You couldn't find anywhere to park. It was nuts. Uh, anyway, so you hear some of that in the background. If you hear some noise in, in the in the recording, that that's what that is. And uh, kind of impossible to trim it all out. And a big thank you to you, the listener. Thank you for streaming and downloading our show. Every time you do that, it helps our analytics and helps us reach more people. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Our guest today has been involved with the rodeo since the age of 15. He's the owner of a publishing company that publishes for many great writers like John Erickson, the author of the Hank the Cowdog uh, book series. You can catch today's guest every Friday and Saturday night at the Cowtown Coliseum, where he has been the rodeo announcer for 25 years. For the publishing company, go to cowboybookworm.com. And for tickets to see the rodeo, go to cowtowncoliseum.com. We're super excited about today's episode. This was a great opportunity to meet a very interesting person, somebody that's uh, been a very important part of the Fort Worth Stockyards and uh, the Cowtown Coliseum. So this was just really cool getting to sit down and record with this gentleman, and we are looking forward to recording with him more in the future. That's enough out of me. Please give it up for our guest today, Billy Huckabee, and let's start the show. First and foremost, I wanted to thank you for doing this with us. Uh, we've been trying to break into the rodeo scene, and uh, it, it is such an important part of Fort Worth culture that we wanted to be involved with it. So uh, first chance we got, we, we sat down with Clayton, 
Uh, now we got Billy, and you said you've been the announcer here for 25 years. Yeah, I wish I'd have made a note the first time I did it, but it's 25 or 26 years, somewhere right in there. That's awesome. So, and and how did you get started with that? You mentioned that you were involved in rodeo well before that, correct? Yeah, the only time I feel old is, <laughs> is when I say how many years I've been involved in rodeo, and it's 50. Yeah, and that's to do something that long. But I was a contestant for 15 years, and involved in rodeo a lot of different ways. Published rodeo newspapers and magazines and and served on various rodeo association boards and so uh i got a job here as marketing director at the coliseum and i really wasn't looking for a job because i sold my newspapers and i was just kind of kicking back but i told my wife when i saw the ad this is like the only job in the world i'm qualified for (laughs) because i've got the marketing and print background and you know the rodeo background so i came here and started uh doing the marketing and group sales and then eventually that evolved into being the in-house rodeo announcer that's awesome um and and before that with with you uh, being a contestant how did how did that start off has your family always been into it nope it's kind of a i just you know and and in the world of rodeo most of them it is multi-generational a family thing Mm -hmm. My dad got on one bull one time, and he broke his arm, which should have been a, a warning. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I grew up in small-town Texas, and I always played football and basketball. And my so- my fr- sophomore year in high school, we'd moved to Tyler. I was going to Robert E. Lee, which is a lot larger high school. And so I wasn't going to play sports. And just walking across campus one day, I saw a sign that said, Rodeo Meeting Tonight. And I went and ended up riding bulls and bareback horses for 15 years and i was president of the rodeo association in high school the texas tech rodeo association rodeoed at texas tech and i've been doing it one form fashion or another all my life so that's what you started off with was riding bulls i started out riding bareback horses okay and the very first bareback horse i ever got on in practice kicked me in the chest and i had to go to the emergency room i was spitting up blood and anybody with half a brain would have quit (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't. And so I started out riding bareback horses, and then uh, my mother wouldn't let me ride bulls. So that's where she drew the line. I couldn't ride bulls. And so me and some of my buddies snuck off one night. We didn't sneak off. We went to a rodeo to enter the bareback riding, but I got in the bull riding too. Mm-hmm. And the bull stepped on my back. Oh, shit. And I was wearing a red shirt, and it just ripped right down the back of the shirt, ripped my shirt wide open, and left this bed big red streak down the middle of my back and i got home that night my mother's waiting up for me and when she saw me she said what happened to you and i said oh horse kicked me and she said you lying little sob so you got on a bull and so after that you know broke the ice and i rode bulls and bareback horses after that for 15 years wow and that's tyler when, when you got started yeah when i was in high school in tyler and then i went off to texas tech and rodeoed there and i've rodeoed all over texas and i had a job where i got transferred to georgia for a year so i rodeoed all through the southeast georgia florida tennessee south carolina it's uh you know it was a great experience and would love to do it all again if my old poor bones would (laughs) let me do it where where was your favorite place that you were able to rodeo at or do you have a favorite uh you know i really don't i I mean i always the rodeos in west texas seemed a little the smaller the town it seemed like the more the special the rodeo was like in roaring springs texas or some of those little towns i mean it's their one year annual event right so it's a big deal and they you know and i've been to the big rodeos i've been in you know indoor uh birmingham alabama and 
uh, Coliseum rodeos, but just something about the small town rodeos, I always enjoyed them more. And it wasn't so much the individual rodeos you enjoy, it's just the traveling and the camaraderie with all the cowboys, all your friends that you could spend yeah. time with and live life. So you did the, the full PBR circuit for how many years? The PBR is well after my time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I did. The, the PBR is, I quit riding, I retired from competition when I was about 30. Wow. And so that was long before the PBR was even thought about. I didn't even know that the PBR was that young. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I, you know, I should know. It's, you know, probably 20, 25 years. I mean, it it was getting started kind of right before I started announcing rodeos. They actually did the first PBR event here in the Coliseum. The very first one was here at the Coliseum. Yep. That is incredible. Yep. There's a lot of history in this old building. What, uh, 1918, is that right? Well, the building opened in 1908. 1908. And then the okay. first rodeo took place in 1918. Okay. And then over the years, uh, you know, they, they've had the Texas Circuit Finals here. We've done the Women's National Finals here. Uh, it's had, you know, and this is where the Fort Worth Stock Show, the rodeo used to be right. before the Will Rogers Complex was built. So probably just about every prominent rodeo star that's ever come down and rodeo people not prominent. Everybody's competed in this rodeo, in this building at one time or another. Yeah, Fort Worth Stock Show and rodeo. And then moving over here to the, the Dickies, whenever I interviewed uh, Betsy Price, we were talking about this, but the transition from that one uh, over to, to Dickies, I, for me, felt like it, we were going to lose something in tradition. I agree. Um, and, and then so we went to the first rodeo, I think it what was it 2020? Was that the first one they did there? Yeah, it was about then. It was right before COVID. Hit. Right, right. And then COVID, so they skipped a year. But anyway, we we went through that rodeo, went went through all that, and then we wandered our way back over to the old stadium, just to, or arena to to see, you know, what what we missed that year. Yeah, because we saw a door open, so we figured, oh, let's go in and look. Yeah, you know, we're still kind of feeling bad that you know it moved right. over, and we walked in there after seeing everything that we just did for the rodeo in that big beautiful Dickies Arena, and we went, holy shit, did we just do all of that? in this arena yeah. the year before how did we do that because it was so much smaller it's like a At fourth of the size way. so I, I guess it would probably still be done right here in this arena at the cowtown coliseum if it wasn't for the overwhelming patronage of people coming in to either participate in the event or come to see it as a spectator well and the participating doesn't really change because they could do it here just as easily as there but as far as spectators, this building seats about 2,500 in its current configuration. I right. think Will Rogers probably seats about 8,000. And, of course, in Dickies, I don't know what they, you know, 15,000, 16,000 people. So, yeah, it's yeah. a supply and demand issue. Right. But as far as a spectator to go to a rodeo, not to take anything away from the stock show or Will Rogers or the Dickies Arena, you can't get more up close and personal than you oh, can great. in this building. Yeah. I mean, you can see it, smell it, feel it, talk to the cowboys and the cowgirls, see them getting ready. You know, I always talk in the rodeo and the barrel racing, you're going to get dirt kicked in your face. <laughs> and we don't charge extra. That's just rodeo atmosphere. <laughs> you can keep that in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got to agree with you. You definitely get a much closer uh, experience here at the Coliseum. I've been to hundreds of rodeos, and there's not another venue I can think of that's as intimate as what this one is. Yeah. Well, I've got a retail company called Cowboy Bookworm. Okay. And then the parent company is Wild Horse Media Group. Right. And then I've got a publishing which that Wild Horse Media Group is the publishing company. And then we own three publishing imprints, Wild Horse Press, Nortex Press, and Aiken Press. You know, Aiken Press at one time was the oldest, largest independent publishing company in Texas. And I bought it in 2013. And okay. so when I bought that company, 
they'd published well over 2,000 titles. So we took over that as far as publishing those books. And there's some real classics in there, like The Gamblers and Gangsters of Jacksboro Highway, which is based you know, here in Fort Worth, the right. story of Jacksboro Highway and Benny Binion and all those guys. I mean, it's, uh, you know, what Las Vegas now has kind of got its start in Fort Worth with Benny Binion. Okay. And so we published that book. But we, our focus now is pretty much Southwest and, and Western history, nonfiction, rodeo. Uh, you, we've got probably more books on rodeo than any other publishing company. Uh, we've got, you know, Bill O'Neill, who used to be the official Texas state historian, is one of my authors. And uh, he's done several books, and we've got a couple of his books coming up, one of which is going to be a history of the Texas Country Music Hall of Fame That's with awesome. bios on all their inductees. Uh, you can go to cowboybookworm.com. That's the retail company where you can buy all of our Western type books. We've, we really specialize in that genre. And then Aiken Press, we've, we've done a lot more general books through them that were done before we got the company. You can name about any person of note in Texas history, any aspect of Texas history, and we've got multiple titles that cover it. We've got a half dozen books on the Alamo. We've got a half dozen books on Texas and the Civil War. We've got a couple dozen books on Texans in World War II and Korea and Vietnam. So it runs a gamut politics, religion. Uh, uh, they publish literally everything. Yeah. So you got a full catalog. Anybody could uh, find something that would interest them for sure. Yeah. If you've got an interest in Texas history, you, you can find it. Aiken Press has done something. And we're, and we're continuing. We've got about a dozen books in the works right now that should be coming out in the next couple of months yeah the, the stuff that they taught us in school just was very very surface level and if you want to right. know anything about texas or fort worth or your backyard you got to go out there and you got to find it yourself well and there's so much history that they, that they didn't teach in schools yeah. like the you know the jacksboro highway and, and <laughs> benny Binion and all those guys that, right. and how wild fort worth used to be but uh that's kind of where i come from i've always been a history nut a history buff and cowboys in general tend to appreciate history more, I think, than other parts of the population. And so that's one of the reasons I started the Cowboy Bookworm. Okay. And we'd go and we'd do trade shows like the National Finals and the Fort Stock Show. And people would always compliment me on what a good selection of books. Because I, w- I wouldn't sell just anything. I was right. very particular about what we carried. And they'd compliment me on the collection. And I'd tell them, well, I buy books that I want to read. And if... if I don't sell it. I can sit around and read it. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is now I've got a warehouse with 100,000 yeah. books in it. And, I've, and, you know, the University of New Mexico sent me a rodeo book one time and thinking I was going to sell it, and they sent it to me. And I looked at it, and they called me, and I said, this book's junk. I said, I'm not, you know, it, it's written by somebody that knows nothing about rodeo. And a rodeo person's not going to read that book for very long. So I'm pretty picky about what we sell. Long enough to pick up on the fact that it was written by somebody that didn't know what they were talking There's about. There's nothing that drives <laughs> me more nuts than to read a book about rodeo or see a commercial on TV or a show about rodeo where it's obvious that they don't know anything about it. You know, you see these TV commercials, you got a guy getting on a bull and he's got a glove on both hands. And, and it's just, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of a stickler for doing it the way it's supposed to be. Right. That um, makes sense. And before we hit record, you you mentioned making long trips to Vegas with a, a trailer loaded full of books. Yeah. Those days are behind you now, aren't they? Why do you say that? Well, because you'd mentioned that you'd made the drive. Uh, yeah. Not, no, not that you were planning on making the drive again with a trailer full of books. When, co- when COVID hit, my business exploded. Okay. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to do those trade shows anymore. Okay. We're, I, make, I make more money sitting at my desk doing what I do versus 
loading up books and and doing all that so it's not to say that i might not do it again at some point but i'm not going to be the lone ranger where i'm doing it all myself i've got a yeah. i've got a son-in-law and a, another guy they're trying to get me to go back to doing that and let them take it over and i might do that at some point but uh, the other problem too we have is the national finals is in december okay so the first two about the first two weeks of december so I've, it takes me like a week to go to vegas set up you're there for 10 days you tear down it takes two or three days to get back there's days now that we get 200 orders a day through our website that we've got to ship and used to in vegas i'd go and we'd ship them and i'd have five or six orders i'd carry to the post office where now there's just no way we could handle that yeah you know it's all i don't know how you run your business but i know a lot of people they do something called drop shipping where they don't continue to keep the uh, yeah, inventory no we don't we keep the inventory and oh, that's wow. the thing all of our all of our books are available through amazon and anywhere else on the internet that you want to buy your books or bookstores i mean they're they're available everywhere yeah but with our cowboy bookworm we also sell those books direct to the public because we've got a following where you know people buy it direct from us and not just the books that we publish but like hank the cow dog that's right i remember you bringing that up that that was a series of of books that i really enjoyed when i was a kid we're one we're we're probably one of the biggest retailers of hank the cow dog we i mean i go to they're based in periton texas and we sell so much that they'll meet me halfway and i'll get 50 or 60 cases of hank the cow dog at a time Uh, the uh the author uh john erickson is, is he still writing those books number 77 just came out oh wow yeah that's awesome yeah and you wouldn't believe like when we do the fort worth stock show in the past if i just got a quarter for everybody walk by and goes oh look there's hank the cow dog he's so well known and i've had so many young men mothers tell me that their kids would never have learned how to read that they had you know add or whatever it is that you know they couldn't their attention span but they would read hank the cow dog you're telling my story man <laughs> i've had several young men probably your age and younger walk up and say if it wasn't for hank the cow dog i never would have got through school yeah i can see that yeah they're definitely interesting and who doesn't like a cow dog right but it's not a texas thing we ship them all over the united states and we sell the audio books and the hardbacks and the paperbacks and i've shipped a bunch to alaska new york and california i mean it's everywhere it's not just a texas thing we probably ship more out of texas than we do in texas now whenever you were young enough and getting your uh butt kicked by a bull for the first time um back then did you think that you would own a publishing company no (laughs) (laughs) how did you fall into that how did you start it well if you go way back i went to texas tech to rodeo Mm -hmm. and i cared nothing about school and I was an animal science major because that's what a rodeo guy would be, an animal science major, ag major at Texas Tech. And about my sophomore year, I'm sitting in class with all these guys looking around and saying, there are no women in here. And so I got to look in and I said, well, we're all the women. Well, they're all in mass comm, journalism, advertising, communications. So I look in the catalog and there's a major called ag communications. And so I switch majors. <laughs> <laughs> and got into journalism and i'd always been a newspaper freak news freak mm-hmm. books reader and it just came natural i mean i'd make a d in freshman english and i made nothing but a's in journalism you enjoyed it, it was i enjoyed it yeah and so i got out and i started uh, i bought a newspaper in joshua and it was a weekly and deadlines every week and so i sold it and i thought well, i'm going to focus on monthly publications because that's just once a month 
Well, before I knew it, I had five monthly publications. <laughs> wow. And I thought, this is BS. What can I do? <laughs> I'm going to go into book publishing because you get it done and it's finished. Mm-hmm. And so I get into book publishing, and now I've got a book publishing company with over 500 authors and a two dozen books in production, and every day is a deadline. It's just... <laughs> you keep working yourself into the same overworked status, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm a control freak. I mean, I've got to do everything myself. But that's one of the advantages I have is I can do everything myself. I can format. I mean, I, I, I can do it all, so... Uh, but yeah, it's I just I've stumbled and fumbled through life. I mean, at 16, I was to be a world champion all around cowboy, and that didn't happen. So <laughs> I'm a book publisher. Now I have to ask. You said that you switched majors because there weren't any girls in your classes. Right. Now, when you switched, were there? Absolutely, there was. <laughs> and, and in most of them, I, not only was I maybe the only guy, but I'm sure the only guy wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> so it worked out well. Yeah, I bet it did. I bet it did. That's funny. In in the twenty five years of, of being the announcer here at the Coliseum, uh, what 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 uh, experiences have kind of uh, presented themselves that have either surprised you or left a memorable impression? I think the biggest thing is just all the people that come through here. That the vast majority of the people that come to this rodeo have never been to a rodeo. They they don't have a clue. And so I look at it as my job to educate them. And we've had people from all over the world. I mean, it's 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 amazing, and and that's been you know kind of a benefit of being able to do that. But it also opened a lot of doors for me because uh, when I quit riding, and there was about a year period there I was out of rodeo, and I wanted to get back into it some way, and I was going to go to a rodeo announcing school, and I'd even signed up and sent my deposit. And the week before the school started, I got this job and got hired. So I had to call the guy and say, I can't make it. You know, I've got a job. I need to be there this weekend for the rodeo to see, you know, just kind of act like you're involved. And he said, well, that's great. He said, I'm going to keep your deposit. And if you ever want to come to the school, you know, your deposit's paid. And I said, okay. So then I got involved here in marketing. And then eventually I started announcing just you know, because our regular announcer kept going and doing other events, and we're always looking. And so finally, one day, Hub Baker said, "Won't you just become our full-time announcer?" And so I started announcing. And about a year later, the guy that I paid to go to his rodeo school, he and I co-announced a rodeo here. Oh, nice! At the Coliseum. So that was, you know, kind of ironic. Did he continue to work with you? Well, it was just that one rodeo. I mean, he was a IPRA, International Professional Rodeo Association. We did a rodeo in conjunction with the uh, NASCAR, and it was a special rodeo they did. So both of us did it. But I've had a chance. I did the Women's National Finals and got to go to New York to the Oxygen Network to do their uh, voiceover for that rodeo. Oh, cool. And I've had a chance to announce a lot of rodeos that were televised here in the Coliseum. So I'm always getting, you know, old friends from facebook comment and say hey saw you on tv last night and that seems kind of strange (laughs) (laughs) well you're 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 known for your uh your voice right i mean you're you're more than just uh the announcer at this coliseum well i'll tell you what regarded as the announcer well i think there's a there's a picture of me somewhere down there says i'm the voice of the stockyards but that's not true but (laughs) i'll tell you what that means for years i did the rodeo report on ktfw radio and their studio used to be down here and so i'd go in the studio every morning live and do like a little five minute segment with their morning djs mike crow and then after they moved out of the stockyards i continued to do it by on tele by the telephone and so i took a job i was uh 
executive director of the Glen Rose Convention and Visitors Bureau for 12 years. Okay. And that came from being involved in tourism here at the Coliseum. That's just kind of a progression through my stumbling, fumbling life. But when I went down there, I went to lunch one day, and a friend of mine was there with another woman, and she said, oh, said, Billy, I want you to meet so-and-so. And she said, this is Billy Huckabee. And the woman goes, oh, are you the Billy Huckabee that does the rodeo report on KTFW? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, I thought you'd be a lot taller. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, the, the best voice I've ever heard on a person was in college. And it was this guy about five foot tall and about five foot around. And he had the, you know, I guess I'm like him. I have, I've got the face for radios. So, yeah. <laughs> same. Same here. Yeah. Um, what's the gentleman's name that does the uh, announcing at the uh, stockyard rodeo? Well, there's two. Show? There's two. Bob Tallman is he's the patriarch. I mean, he's the rodeo announcer. I mean, he's the one that you know everybody kind of aspires to be. He's been around forever. Fantastic guy. But he's he's been the he's been the announcer there for as longer longer than I've been here doing this rodeo. Really. And then Doug Mathis is also an announcer there, and Doug is actually the announcer that I replaced here at the Coliseum. Okay. And do they, they do their announcing together? Uh, kind of team up on some, it. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times there's so many performances there that they'll take turns. Like, oh, okay. Doug yeah. will do one performance, and then Bob will do a performance. Because they do what two a night, three. It, it varies some days like on a saturday they'll do like a 10 o'clock morning performance then they do an afternoon matinee and then an evening yeah and then during the week they'll do two performances a day so yeah. for a, one rodeo announcer that's that's oh a my god handful. yeah your voice would probably blow out after a couple of days of that i would need a lot of honey <laughs> well and you get in those buildings with all that dust and, oh yeah and, you know whatnot for that long i mean i've done some events used to i, I was the executive at the american cutting horse association and I'd go put on their big events, and you'd go into a building like that for three or four days, and I never left with my voice. I mean, yeah. for two or three days after, you'd have laryngitis. Yeah. So you got to have a backup. Yeah, and especially for these guys, it's not so big, bad this time of year. But these guys are going from one rodeo to the next. That's right. So it's oh, not. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a. You know, this time of year is not so many rodeos, but the rodeos they have, like Houston and San Antonio and Fort Worth, mm-hmm. they're more performances, and so it, it does create more stress. Now, do those uh, the stock show rodeos, do they happen outside of Texas, or is that just kind of an us thing? No, they have, they have stock shows all over the country. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just a Texas thing. I saw the San Antonio one. It was televised. I can't remember where we were at. doesn't matter. But It's probably the Cowboy Channel. Maybe, but what, point being, whenever I saw that, I went, That's why are they still showing oh you're talking about when we, we went down show. here to we had a game of pool and it was on the tv yeah that you're talking about yeah so but i it just i never knew that this was going on down in san antonio well it, see the rodeo <laughs> the rodeo season forever the the first big major rodeo of the year is in denver okay and then fort worth starts up right as denver's ending and then san antonio starts up right after fort worth is ending and then they go from there to houston so those are the big major stock shows but they have different size stock shows all over the country i yeah. mean it's uh it's just it's just part of rodeo you know, right. it's the, the agriculture and the the rural heritage it just goes hand in hand yeah a buddy of mine shared a uh, a post off of somebody else's social media but it was 50 cent the the rapper that was at the super bowl and he had, had gone to either the San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo or one of them around here. Mm-hmm. And his comment was, you guys think you have money. You have not been to one of these rodeos. These people have money. 
<laughs> and it's a it, it's a culture that requires a lot of money to do this kind of stuff but um it, it's just unbelievable how much goes into these shows well and a lot of those big events now fort worth is the exception and i guess denver is the exception but like san antonio and houston the way they sell their tickets is with their entertainers yeah with their concerts that they with have the concerts oh. they have conjunct in like houston right now you can go to the rodeo in houston and there'll be nobody in the building and when the concert goes on after the rodeo that's all part of, it'll be full by the time the concert goes on oh really so the, the, so it's a whole different crowd it's a whole different audience that they're trying to attract huh well it gives our uh, athletes somewhere else to compete though i guess even though there's well, not too many people in attendance it's a great thing for rodeo because that's where the bigger prize money is awarded at, at you know those larger shows hmm. not the same patronage as, as you would see here in fort worth at the Houston show and the San Antonio shows. No, well, you know, those are more uh, urban areas. Right. Where, and, and they're trying to attract to different aspects of their population, like Houston and San Antonio. They have nights that are, you know, Tejano or Latina focused. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they'll bring in a, a, a ludicrous or a 50 cent or somebody to, you know, for the African-American market. So those events are so big that they've got to have that fan base coming to support it all. And in rodeo, we need that fan base because that the money to pay the cowboys and all, I mean, it's, it's all one big pot that keeps us all going. Yeah. Well, uh, I think before we get out of here, we should at least uh, address what's going on outside the window here. We've got uh, today, what's today's date? Well, today's 19th. the 19th. And we've got uh, about four times as many people as you would expect to see on a Saturday down at the stock, stockyards. Um, but this is part of the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yeah, it's called Cowtongo's Green. It's one of the oldest events in the stockyards, and uh, it's a little different for me because I'm usually not here this time of day. You <laughs> well, know, thank you for sticking on a, on a Saturday. <laughs> but you know, we had a, a performance this afternoon. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a great deal. You know, that they'll have the parade and they've got activities for the kids and free music. And I don't think people in Fort Worth, if they haven't been down here in a while, they don't realize what a entertainment venue this has become. I mean, this is a, a tourist attraction that you could put on the level with the Disney World or, a, you know, the San Antonio River Walk, and yeah. it's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah. We've got performances in the street. We've got those uh, cattle drive that happens twice a day. Twice a day. Was it noon and four? Eleven thirty and four. I was close. You're close. <laughs> yeah. But there's so much that's going on down here, and I'm really proud of the way that the, I guess it's the Fort Worth Heritage uh, Foundation or what, what who yeah. who manages this the Her- yeah heritage there they've uh it's kind of a joint partnership down here there's multiple individuals that own a lot of this real estate mm-hmm. but and and i'm not the expert to tell you the story but they the heritage group has come in and invested you know 100 plus million dollars to help renovate all this down here and kind of bring it all under one umbrella well it's it's amazing to see how they've updated it and added new stuff to it without losing that Fort Worth Stockyards feeling. The, the authenticity is still there. Well, and there was some resistance early on from some of the uh, locals or old-timers that they were worried that it was going to lose that feel. But I think they've done a great job preserving it. But I do think it's extremely important going forward that you have the right mix of Western culture versus modern day. You know, they brought in, you know, some of the major chains – you know restaurants and and retail stores and that kind of thing and that's great but they're still kind of all they have that western theme you know the american pain horse association lucchese wrangler i mean it it all goes hand in hand yeah 
Now, if we could just get a little more parking squeezed in somewhere. Well, they're <laughs> supposed to be building some parking garages down here, so maybe that'll come. You know, just just south of here, going down, uh, what is Main Street? That is Main Street. What that's, do you mean? That's just what it's called, Main mm-hmm. Street. Yeah, okay. Main yeah. Street. If and Exchange is the one that's right here. Right. If you go just a little further down uh, Main Street, that direction, mm-hmm. there are some old uh, empty buildings that could be taken down. And right. Parking could be added, so... Well, and behind us, up on this hill, is where all the big meatpacking plants used to be. Mm-hmm. And there's probably 100-plus acres up there that's undeveloped. Yeah. That You think they'll eventually probably move that direction? Somewhere there's a master plan that eventually it'll move in that direction. It's just going to get bigger. And, and they've got plans for uh, housing down here as far as you know being a part of it. I mean, eventually it'll be kind of an all-purpose community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. just takes time and takes money and takes a vision. Yeah. Well, I hope it moves at the right pace. Not so fast that we lose what we've got uh, historically and culturally, but uh, fast enough that it keeps drawing in a crowd. I think it will. I've been here now for almost 30 years, and it, it's amazing to see the changes that have taken place. Do you think you're going to continue to be an announcer here for uh, the foreseeable future? Or do you have plans to? Depends how long the foreseeable future is. I mean, I, you know, that's that's one thing I learned during COVID because for 20 plus years i was the in-house announcer and if i wasn't announcing i would hire the announcer to take my place so i was never gone more than two weeks straight if i was like on vacation and so when covid hit was the first time in over 20 years that i'd gone three consecutive weekends of not announcing a rodeo and i went like four months and i found there's lots of other stuff to do on friday and saturday nights (laughs) so I don't know how much longer I'll be here. I'm here today, and I'll be here next week. But past that, it's anybody's guess. No promises. No promises. Well, I know that uh, that that you add uh, with your voice in this coliseum. You're adding uh, a great deal of the experience to everybody that comes in here, no matter where they're from, whether it's a Fort Worth local or somebody visiting from Australia. So, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> it kind of, it kind of stops me at times because one night when I was living down at Glenrose, I left the rodeo here and I stopped at. Uh, I think it was the Albertsons in Crowley or Benbrook somewhere I stopped. It was Benbrook. And I went in to get something and I was checking out and I said something to the person waiting on me and he looked at me and he goes, you're the announcer in the stockyard. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what? He goes, I recognize your voice. So I guess if you listen to me long enough, it kind of gets ingrained. Yeah. Well, we'll have to come out and check uh check one of the events here pretty soon but it happens every weekend right it's every friday and saturday night at 7 30 it's our stockyards championship rodeo and then there's some other special events coming up on some other nights and then there's periods like today where we had a 130 and a 730 so uh the best thing to do is go to cowtowncoliseum.com and check our schedule and then the other thing is get your tickets early because we do tend to sell out on friday and saturday nights that's got to be a good feeling though there's nothing more fun <laughs> Than announcing the rodeo when you've got a packed house, it's sold out. It's uh, the, the only thing better was when back in the day, you know, as a cowboy, you do this because of kind of an adrenaline rush when you're riding bulls and bareback horses. And, and so that's kind of the closest thing I've come across that kind of gives you that adrenaline rush to have be in front of that many people and, yeah. you know, kind of doing what I do. That's awesome. Uh, last question I got for you. Where's the best place in the arena to sit? The best place is where I sit. <laughs> but they, you got the best view of the house. But they don't sell that ticket. You know, that's the thing. There's not a bad seat in Cowtown Coliseum. Yeah. I don't care where you sit. You're, you're going to get a great view. And the other great addition we've got now is with the video screen, 
you know you can see the contestants getting ready in the bucking chute and you know you get replays and all that kind of thing so if i was going to tell somebody where to sit you know there was a time where i would have said well you get get down with the bucking chutes but now you want to be far enough back where you can see the video screen to get the whole experience yeah and is, is there any uh misnomers or uh tidbit of information you'd like the, the people that come out to see the rodeo uh, kind of a public service announcement is there anything that you wish people knew before they came to the rodeo well you know the thing that that we get periodically is you know people want to talk about the animal rights issue and the cruelty of rodeo and it's really hard to express how in our culture we don't view it as cruelty i mean those animals are ever bit a part of our rodeo family as the contestants and those horses and bulls aren't animals that we just find at a sale barn. They come up through a breeding program just like a thoroughbred horse in the Kentucky Derby. It's about the genetics. And those animals are extremely valuable. The bucking horses are worth tens of thousands of dollars, and some of the bulls are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So those animals get the very best care, uh, feed, rest, pampered, they're much better treated than, than the cowboys are that have to get on them and nod their heads. So uh-huh. that you know that's one aspect that it's really easy, especially in this day and time, to talk about oh that poor horse or that poor bull. They're not being you know the flank strap doesn't have some kind of electrical device. There's no hooks. There's nothing stabbing them. It's just part of the nature of that animal yeah. to, to do what they do. Yeah. So just know that these are. Uh, uh, not abused animals they're they're doing some hard work for a few minutes and then they are living the life of luxury well you know <laughs> tom murray one of the all-time great cowboys you know he's got a ranch at stephenville and he takes in some of these great bucking horses and they actually the stock contractors they'll, they'll retire them to his ranch and let them live out their life and then they're you know buried there with a monument and a tombstone but uh, you know, a horse, you know, 20 years is an old age for a horse. Mm-hmm. But I've known stock contractors hauling horses down the road that were 30-plus years old. Damn. And those horses weren't old. They were athletic. Wow. And it was rodeo that kept them going and kept them alive. And that's true a lot in this livestock. You know, it, it, to me, in a sense, it sounds cruel that all these animals don't really have a value other than rodeo. Mm-hmm. These aren't beef animals. These aren't thoroughbred horses i mean it's about rodeo and i know years ago we had a a french film crew here a news crew and so i was the marketing director and so i set up interviews with the stock contractor and one of her bullfighters and a bull rider and the woman asked me at the end of the day she said can we interview you and i said sure and the first question was she said how do you address the cruelty aspect of the sport of rodeo and of course that kind of set me back you know it's not the <laughs> question you wanted but i told her i said well i said i'll tell you what i said those roping calves i said you can rope them or they're a quarter pound with cheese and i said if i'm a calf you can rope me all day long <laughs> <laughs> to keep from sending me to the, the kill plant and, yeah but they are i mean they're well treated they're valuable i mean they induct horses and bulls and roping horses into the cowboy hall of fame just like they do the cowboys and the cowgirls yeah and the, probably by the numbers, the, the animals inside that arena that suffer the most injuries are the athletes. By far. <laughs> uh, you know, I can, when I have people ask me about my injuries, when I rattle them off, they look at me like I'm an idiot because of <laughs> what I've got. And you kept going? Billy. <laughs> well, I tell you, I got 
I've, uh, I think I've had like a dozen surgeries due to rodeo oh my and God. a lot of them have been done after I quit. I had a shoulder, oh, yeah. I had a shoulder replacement here just a few years ago from riding bareback horses, but I got kicked in the face by a bareback horse at the world's fair rodeo in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1982 mm. and completely caved in this side of my face, lost my eye, broke my nose. Oh my God. Broke this eye socket, had five hours of uh, plastic surgery. Were they sure you were going to live when they started all that? Well, you know, uh, yeah. They When I came to in the hospital, it's kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know how to describe it. I came to in this hospital, it knocked me unconscious. I remember being at the rodeo, and yeah. that's all I remember. Right. But when I came to in the rodeo, I was laying in a dark room, and my bed was surrounded by cowboy hats. You know, the, the stock contractor, the announcer were there. And the doctor told me, he said, you know, Billy said, there's nothing we can do for your eye. I said, you're going to lose your right eye. Yeah. It did not faze me one bit. I didn't think twice about it. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me as I laid in that hospital bed for two weeks is that I couldn't rodeo anymore. <laughs> and so... <laughs> The longer I laid there, I thought, well, you know what? I wasn't that good to start with. <laughs> what, what difference could one eye make? <laughs> and so my plastic surgeon came in, you know, after the surgery and everything. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, I said, the right side of my face, I said, how strong is it? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, if I got hit on the right side or the left side, you know, what's the difference? He said, well, your right side's probably stronger because he said it's all plastic and metal and he said, why? I saw I just wonder. He goes, no. He said, you're not thinking about rodeoing, are you? And I said, well, maybe. And so 30 days to the day that I got kicked in the face, I was back riding bareback horses. Oh, my God, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and then to take it one step further. And how old were you whenever that happened? Oh, uh, let's see. I was probably 25, 26. Oh, yeah. He still had a lot of. And then uh, I went on a few years, and I broke my left wrist, or broke my right wrist, and I had to have surgery. And then a year later, I break it again, and I have to have surgery. And they're wheeling me into the operating room, and the nurse is walking beside me. And she said, now, Mr. Huckabee, said, do you have any prosthetics or anything we need to know about? I said, well, I've got a glass eye. And she said, which eye is that? And I said, it's my right eye. And she said, okay. And she said, and what happened there? I said, a horse kicked me in the face. And she said, okay, now your wrist, you broke it previously. And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, how'd you break it? And I said, well, it was a horse. And she said, okay. And she said, how'd you break your <laughs> wrist this time? And I said, well, it was a horse. And she stopped. She goes, Mr. Huckabee, said, do you ever think maybe you and horses just weren't meant to be? <laughs> and I said, yeah. So I'm kind of thinking that it's right now. It's crossed your mind, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. But I used to do a lot of freelance riding on rodeo. And I did an interview with Jerome Davis, who is a world champion bull rider. And he was injured at the PBR event at Will Rogers. And he was paralyzed from the chest down. Mm. And so I, had, I called him to do this interview, and we were talking. And so I asked him at the end of the interview, I said, Jerome, I said, I've got a question to ask you. And I said, I know the answer before you tell me. But I said, if you could do it all over again, what would you change? And he said, not a thing. And that's my response. I would do it all again. I might have skipped that one rodeo in Knoxville, Tennessee, but I'd, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. Yeah. And that tells you the 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 draw yeah. that rodeo has for pretty powerful. for the Cowboys. Yeah. They tried to illustrate that. I keep going back to this show because here we are in the stockyards and then 1883 was shot here. So some of it kind of originates out of our town, but uh, Yellowstone. And they've got a character in there that, uh, you know, he breaks his back, puts himself in a terrible way and uh, gets right back up on the horse and hurts himself again. And 
the viewer is obviously because this is the emotion they're trying to invoke is going why would that stupid kid do that but you just won't understand it unless you've been in the rodeo and you know, the, the uh, whole, felt that, I guess. The whole time I rodeoed, I never once worried about getting hurt. But I always worried about how well I would perform. And injury is just a part of it. And it's not a matter of, you know, if. if. It's it's when and how bad. How bad. <laughs> yeah. and, and sometimes it's really bad. And, I, and, you know, as rodeo cowboys, when we sit around and talk, we don't talk about the great rides we made or how much money we won or this or that. We talk and laugh about, remember that time we had the women's national finals here and the pickup man broke both legs or, you know, the, you know, the night the latch hit you on the hand and you lost your finger. And I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just part of the brotherhood. Yeah. Well, it's incredible. And I don't have the world champion belt buckle that I started out to get, but I probably got as many aches and pains and <laughs> artificial joints and everything else to go with it as any so world you, champion you could, out there you could sit comfortably at that table and trade stories all day yeah, yeah. I, I, I can trade stories well billy thank you again so much for doing this fort worth roots podcast is always available anytime um you know we're still spitballing on different ideas that we can do to get uh, involved with our local community right and, you know, if you've got some kind of strange project and you need an extra set of hands, we're we're here to help. If you just need me to hold a camera or something. So. Well, one of these days I want us to talk about the the day, you know, Jacksboro Highway and the wild days of Fort Worth. Because amazingly enough, there was quite a few rodeo cowboys involved in that aspect of Fort Worth's history. Are you already welcoming me back? So, to do another man, one? we can do this anytime. I, okay. I get, you know, <laughs> I talk for a living, so I've always, all right, well, I can always talk. You, you got a voice that's easy to listen to in these uh, high-tech cans, so uh, just let me know. And uh, you're 15 minutes from our house. Parking today was a little insane, but maybe it won't be as bad next time. And if it is, we'll still figure it out. Well, so. we might find some other place to do it next time. But, it, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a blast. We appreciate it. It's good, you know, it's good to get the word out about rodeo and the stockyards and Cowtown Coliseum. Yeah. A lot of history here, and we're still making it every weekend. Now, we had already had plans, and I think I told you this, but Billy had offered to get us tickets uh on him for for the rodeo but we need to come down here and see this thing real soon because it's been at least a year since well yeah. maybe not hadn't been quite a year since we came down here yeah. and watched one of the shows i don't know we, we've got so. a picture of us like you said no bad yeah, seats in the house we were all up in the nosebleeds which is not yeah. it's not nosebleeds it's well we know. were just up at the top because it was easier yeah. to see from well, where we were sitting but if there was going to be a bad seat in the house, you would think it'd be up there, but it was a great spot. Well, I yeah. tell people, that's about all I'm good for is free rodeo tickets. So. <laughs> well, we, we don't mind paying for a great show either. So, uh, But thank you again, and, and thank you for your hospitality. And uh, if you've got anything, whether it's book-related, rodeo-related, uh, if you'll tag us or send it to us, uh, we'll be happy to share it on our social media for All you. right, we'll do it. We right. appreciate Billy, it. Billy, thank you so much again. Thank you. And. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll do this again real soon. Just whenever you're ready, let me know. Fort Worth okay. Roots, thank y'all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. A huge thank you to our guest today, Billy. Thank you so much for being part of the Fort Worth Roots podcast. Sincerely looking forward to doing some more recordings with you and uh, talk about the books and the rodeo and whatever. Billy's just a really cool dude. Uh, very gracious to have him set that up for us and uh, take time out of his busy schedule. He had just gotten done uh, performing as an announcer at the show, at the at the rodeo, and then immediately did the recording with us. So 
very nice of them to do that. These people do not have to do this. I'm not paying them money. <laughs> They're doing this because they want to be on Fort Worth Roots Podcast. So uh, thank you, Billy, and thank you to everybody that's been on the show so far. Things are going great. Um, loving the momentum. We're trying to branch out and, and become a little more eclectic, get more people involved, not just uh, musicians. We love having musicians on Fort Worth Roots, but we want to uh, we, we want to be all-encompassing here. Not, not too far-stretching, but... You know, people that create stuff inside our community and make Fort Worth what it is. So, we're out there, we're looking. And if you think you know somebody that would be a great guest for the show, don't hesitate. Email me, media at fortworthroots.com. I say this every time. Thank y'all so much for listening. Every time you download an episode, every time you stream one, it, uh, it helps the analytics and makes it easier for us to reach other people and we're everywhere now uh that that event that i keep squawking about river oaks car show april 30th out at the camp carter uh campgrounds uh i'm going to be handing out international fort worth roots international fan club certificates i haven't made them yet i don't even know what they're going to look like (laughs) but i thought this would be be cool and i actually heard or i got the idea from mark noble's book uh, Fort Worth Rock and Roll Roots. There was a uh, a, a band that uh, was local here, in Fort Worth, and they had a a national uh, fan club that they they started, you know, trying to build a community out of their fans. And uh, well, I I thought that was a pretty cool idea, you know. Um, so it's something that we could do, get people involved. Hey, here's your individual serial number you for your uh, Fort Worth Roots International Fan Club certificate. I, I know it's goofy. I know that. Okay. But it's something. So <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun. So, uh, we'll, we'll I think we're going to go ahead and do that, but, uh, squad Uh, this is a great opportunity to make some memories with your boys. Uh, check that out. Don't, don't wait. Don't say you'll do it later. Go check it out now. Squad This is a, uh, a cool little thing that happens down in uh, Dinosaur Valley. Uh, I think that's Glen Rose. And um, they, they only have so many dates available. They only have so many spots. So, yeah, don't don't wait. Squadstx.com. Um, if this is your first time listening to Fort Worth Roots, this is the part where I just kind of ramble about stuff because I'm afraid I'm going to forget something. But if I do forget something, it will be in the show notes. I can always go back to the show notes and uh, update that. So any of the links that we talked about, websites, whatever, uh, should be in the show notes if I'm doing my job correctly. Um, but if you catch me slipping, just let me know. Media at fortworthroots.com is the email, and you can say, hey, dummy, you forgot to put this in there. And I will do that, and I will make sure that it is corrected. This is a Monday release uh, podcast. Uh, through the month of April, I've, I've dedicated or committed to the idea that I'm going to release two episodes every week. And I know it probably doesn't sound like much work, but it is. So, um, bear with me this last week i I did get one out on thursday but it was at like 10 o'clock at night i got home i had to put that extra coat of paint uh on on that episode that thursday episode so i wasn't quite ready to release that thursday morning and uh i hate putting out anything kind of half cooked so anyway they uh through the month of april we'll keep that up and it might be something that i just have to keep doing because when people uh, contact me and they want to be on the show i feel like I'm missing an opportunity if I say no. Um, so I uh, I do a lot of recordings. And uh, we'd gotten to a point where it's a pretty serious backlog. So um, 
I mean, this one here, uh, I think I said this earlier, but this was recorded on Saturday night. I'm sorry, March 19th on a Saturday. And uh, here we are today. This is Sunday, April the 10th. So, I mean, it's, it was almost a month ago that we sat down with Billy. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't want people to get the impression that, um, that I don't care about their recording. So, uh, I hate having that much time in between episodes. But anyway. There's everything I could think of inside my head that you probably don't care about. Thank you for listening to the show again. I do have an interactive map, and every time you listen to an episode, it shows me kind of the general area. I can't see your house, your address, or anything like that, but I can say, hey, oh, there's somebody over in Weatherford listening to 10 episodes. That's cool. Um, or Ireland, Scotland, Australia, South Africa, um, Kuwait, Qatar, uh, Germany, uh I think we've, yeah, Republic of Russia, I think, has popped up on that map. Uh, the Philippines, New Zealand, um, Canada, of course, few in Mexico, um, just all over the place. And that's really cool. So, anyway. All right. Well, I've done it again. I'm, uh, I'm finished babbling here. Thank you for listening to the show. There will be um, another episode this week. It'll be coming up Thursday, and I'm trying to find my notes here. Let's see. Who's, who's this? Who's next? Where is it? Here we go. Okay, we got Billy and then Joe Savage. Joe Savage will be on our Thursday episode, and Joe is actually in Spain right now doing the El Camino de Santiago or something like that. It's a 500-mile walk across country, and there's lots of different places to start from, and I think there might be... There's definitely different ways to take this route. Anyway, I'll have to get more information about that from Joe. He has talked about this in previous episodes that he's recorded with us, but it'd be dope if we could get him on the phone to talk about it while he's over there. He's been releasing music, too. Lots of music. So you can go to Joe Savage on Facebook and find that or uh, his band camp. Um, but, yeah, Thursday. That's going to be out Thursday. And then after that, we got uh, Stephen Trome with... Uh, the Traumatics. It's a local band. Steve is a hand surgeon. Uh, he's actually Ken Scott's brother. Uh, that's how we got connected with him. Ken Scott is uh, episode, what is that, 71 with our Ninja Turtle. Uh, Ken Scott played Raphael in the 1990s uh, really awesome uh, Ninja Turtles movies. Like whenever we were kids, that was one of the coolest damn things we had going for us. So it, it was cool to sit down with Ken. And that's how we got connected with Steve. And Steve is his going to be on the 18th and then we have an artist out of fort worth she is from india but she has lived in fort worth and now calls it home uh she's been here for nine years making murals and beautiful art and has a real passion for uh education that's on the 21st uh, of the month and then jeremy the ceo from bmf body machine fitness um he he tells us about what goes into that place is nuts um they've got like a grid of led lights that the thing is i've got pictures of this on social media but it's like rope lights that hang down and create an entire grid so whenever you look up it's not just flashing lights but it's got some depth to it and so like as you're doing a workout they've got these waves of lights that are <laughs> going across the room and it's all timed together uh to to put on a real production while these uh what do they call them? Intertrainers, not trainers, not entertainers, but an intertrainer. They put on this crazy show for you, and uh, in order for them to get the music in tuned with the lights and the the way that the um, trainer, excuse me, inner trainer, 
puts the show together. Anyway, it takes four weeks for them to make one of these masterpieces. And throughout the month, every single one of these exercises is different than the one before it. So it's it's really cool. Anyway, they only have two locations. They started off with one in Plano. And then somebody from 7th Street, one of the building owners, actually approached BMF or our, our friend Jeremy, the CEO, and said, hey, we'd like to bring you to Fort Worth. We want you on 7th Street. So I don't know how often that happens, but, you know, they were actually kind of like commissioned to come down here from Plano because it is such a unique and badass uh Jim, I don't anyway look forward to that because that place is crazy jeremy is a really high energy dude and it's just fun to listen to i mean we we i just kind of sat back and let him tell me his story at, at full throttle for an hour so uh but really interesting dude and they've done some really cool stuff and and their story of how they got through covid and all of the the different ways that they helped the community that was really awesome so yeah, check that out. That'll be on the uh, 25th. And then the 28th, uh, Sam the Podcaster. This is a new friend of ours. He's got the Failed Podcast. And what we did is I went to his studio. We did a recording. Uh, initially, it was like we were recording on his show. And then in the middle of it, he's like, okay, now we can record for your show. And we're going to do this in the same episode. I, it was a good idea. So we uh, we did. We did kind of one recording, but two different versions of it. I don't know. Good stuff. 28th, and he's a cool dude, and his studio is located just off of 7th Street, and we're going to be looking forward to doing a lot of work with Sam. That's going to be really cool. And then Richard Keller from the local Fort Worth band Itchy Richie and the Burning Sensations. That's going to be May 2nd, and um, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff, um, and that's where it stops. That's that's where the backlog ends so far. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. That's it. Thank you all for listening to the show. Uh, if you got any feedback for me, I'd always appreciate it. Media at fortworthroots.com. You can tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, how I could improve the show, and, uh, you know, what you had for breakfast. I don't care. Just email me. Come on, do it. Media at fortworthroots.com. All right, y'all have a wonderful week. Actually, I'll see you Thursday, and uh, then, then I'll see you next week. All right, it's confusing. I'll see you. Bye. Bye.